0: Have I told you how much I like Jeff Petrie? Have I told you that? Okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Have I told you that at least like in the past couple of days or so? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. We've still got a ways to go until the third week of September, another month from now, and the Penguins congregating for training camp in Cranberry. As such, we've got exactly that long until we see how Mike Sullivan and Todd Reardon plan to utilize Petrie. For anybody who doesn't know this, even though he's a right-handed shot, when he was in Montreal, he was most often paired with Shea Weber. Because of that, he was obviously on the left side. And the Habs were able to make this into a really significant top defense pairing. In fact, they were able to ride that top defense pairing and, of course, the goaltending of Carey Price and some other pleasant surprises that they had up front that summer to a Stanley Cup final. I know. With that roster, the same one that would be the very worst in the NHL the following season. When Price wasn't available, Weber retired, and Petrie made really, really clear that he wanted out. Now, he's never exactly put anyone on blast over this, at least not publicly. But it couldn't have been clear that he hated playing for Dominic Ducharme, the legitimately terrible head coach the Habs had last season on multiple levels. And I'm trusting my fellow reporters up there in Montreal that their depictions of his ineptitude were dead on. Now, it couldn't be coincidence that when Ducharme was deservingly fired at midseason and replaced by the Hall of Fame sniper Marty St. Louis, and Marty comes in and sets the Habs loose, has them having fun, skating, all that other stuff that you often hear about when a new head coach comes in, especially one who's played the game at a high level, as they want to encourage their players to create because that's what they wanted to as a player. And all of a sudden, Petrie went from having six measly points through the first half of the season to being almost a point-of-game defenseman in the second half even though the Habs, by and large, still stunk. He produced. And he did so, for the most part, on the right side of defense. He did so without Weber. He did so without Price. He had to actually come back and play normal defense, which when Price is really on his game, you kind of don't have to. You can just wait for the rebound. And he once again looked like the Petrie that It was seen a couple years earlier when there were people seriously discussing him as a Norris Trophy candidate. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So how does he fit in Pittsburgh? Well, that might be one of the more interesting things we try to pick up on on the very first day of camp. Now, Mike Sullivan doesn't like to show his lines and pairings right off the bat. In fact, more often than not, he'll take some really, really young kid And put him on a line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. If only because he doesn't need those guys you know, going and dominating five on five. You do want to make sure that you have real practices and real scrimmages that aren't farces. So you could see defense pairings that won't matter. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I still believe that this team has one more move in it. And that move will involve a defenseman going out whether that's Brian Dumoulin, Marcus Patterson, who knows. But I further believe that the decision on who to pair with LeTang is going to be, wow, fascinating. It really will be because if it's P.O. Joseph, and he's the one I've mentioned most often in this context because P.O. And, and Tanger, for whatever reason, seemed to hit it off when they were paired up Previously in training camp settings, and P.O. seems, for whatever reason, to be the kind of kid who elevates his own game as his own role is elevated. If you remember his initial recall to the NHL when he came up and was just blowing us away, he was the best player on the rink for a couple of games. He also was the Penguins' only, only capable defenseman at that time and it looked like he took the responsibility very seriously so I, I think that's an interesting combination but I can't ignore that Petrie was also on the left side of a really strong top pairing next to Weber one of the best defensemen in the league so that option is there power play two as an option is there penalty killing is there? This is a really good, well-rounded hockey player who I can promise you, if you invested a little bit of time in checking out his video, check out his highlights, and I know you can make a highlight reel of pretty much anybody in the league, but you'll see what I mean. He's confident at all points on the rink. He's patient with the puck. He doesn't just get rid of it. He makes better breakout passes than probably anybody on the Pittsburgh roster this past season, save maybe Latang. And I just say maybe on that one. He's really, really good at it. And Hextall, Brian Burke, and Sullivan, and everybody else were very right to focus on that this offseason. And you know, if you want to make a comparison point, If you want to just make a simple name-to-name comparison point, Petrie reminds me of, and stay with me till the end on this, don't jump just at the name, he reminds me of a right-handed Mike Matheson who's a lot more sure of himself, who's a lot more capable of making a breakout pass as opposed to being a human breakout the way Matheson so often strives to be, and actually, to his credit, most often succeeded in being, and he's a lot more proficient in the offensive zone, particularly when it comes to creating offense at 5-on-5. Five five. So I guess what I just did there was I handed you Mike Matheson as a comparison point and then gave you like four points as to why he's not Matheson at all. When we come back, J1Q... from Tom, it's really simple. Tom asks, Zach Aston-Reese is still available. Thoughts? My thoughts, Tom, at this point are that you're not going to see Aston-Reese back uh, if and when you do see a defenseman moved. And I'm going to remind everybody that there are still nine NHL defensemen on this roster. I would believe and hope that what comes back is more of an impact type forward, that it's someone who can make a dent on your third, if not your second line, someone else to throw kind of into that Heinen slash Zucker slash McGinn category, or I mean Kapanen, I guess you could put into that category as well. Just someone else that would function as a an option within that pack where they would feel some sense of competition. They wouldn't have anything anointed to them. The other reason I don't think you're going to see Aston Reese come back is a player that nobody really talked about. And he's the other guy that came from Montreal in the Petri trade, and that's Ryan Paling. This was a pretty promising scoring prospect when he was a first-round pick a handful of years ago. Uh, That never really materialized that much, but he still had nine goals this past season for Montreal and didn't play the whole season. He's got 13 career goals in 84 games, and you can turn your nose up at that, or you can remember that he's not really a power play guy. He's done some power play work, but he's not somebody that's going to be on anybody's PP1, and that when he has produced points, he's done so in a way where... Every time you see it, you go, oh yeah, that looked pretty natural for him. That didn't look like anything that was, you know, goofy or out of the ordinary. On top of that, he's got good size, he's not afraid to throw the body around, and he's been groomed as a bottom six type forward. If the penguins can succeed in maximizing what he can bring to them, based not so much on their needs, but based on, I'm going to say it again, maximizing the player. It's something that I talked about earlier this week as it relates to Drew O'Connor. You don't want to tailor the player to what your team needs. You want to tailor the player to getting the most out of that player. I think Sullivan's done a pretty good job at the outset with O'Connor. That obviously needs to continue, and that if you get that out of Paling as well, you're you're going to be setting yourself up for not only uh, a more dynamic, more dangerous, a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical bottom six, but also one that can pop you some goals. You know, O'Connor's shown that. Paling's shown that. And Paling just might, for that matter, be one of those guys to refer to something else I was discussing earlier this week on the show who blends with Teddy Bluger. Somebody who fits right in there and says, listen, I can play a two way game. I can get on in the four check. You, you have my back. You support me. We'll make this work. That's, that's when you start mitigating. I think the age issue with the penguins, it's not about Sid getting old and deteriorating or Gino getting old and deteriorating anywhere near as much as it's about the supporting cast not having young players come up from Wilkes-Barre and make a difference, not having draft picks, not having other guys that you can insert the way Jake was in 2017 and say, whoa, look at this guy. Those guys don't exist in this system right now. They just don't. But if you have that extra fire that extra energy that comes from having these kids like an o'connor like a paling in the mix it, it changes your overall feel you certainly wouldn't look at the penguins and think man they look really old i appreciate the question i appreciate everyone listening to daily shot of penguins we'll do another one monday